Welcome to Weird TV, the only podcast talking about TV with takes that feel downright prehistoric. I'm Bill Meeks, coming to you from a cave in sunny Los Angeles, California. Now, you're going to think I'm silly, but when I was a kid, I really loved Ernest. You know, uh, the Hey Vern guy. And you know what I mean? Yeah, he was a bit of a country bumpkin, but I thought his childish, gross-out humor was pretty funny. I think it's probably because he reminded me a little of my stepdad, who was a sort of a blue-collar worker kind of guy, just like Ernest. But I found a whole new appreciation for Jim Varney's performance as Ernest when we picked up a collection of local television commercials that Jim Varney had done over the years. I know it's silly. We would sit there for two hours and watch the entire collection of commercials. Commercials for two hours? Who would watch that? I mean, who would watch it for even half an hour? Speaking of, today we're discussing Cavemen, a TV show from 2007 starring Nick Kroll, Sam Huntington, and Bill English as the titular Cavemen, which also happened to be based on an ad campaign. Go ahead and say that. Huh. A TV show about us. Why not just use real cavemen? At least they didn't say, it's so easy, uh... Yeah, yeah. Research that. This whole crazy idea started as an ad. The famous 2004 Geico Caveman ad campaign, you know, so easy a caveman can do it. In the ad series, a caveman plopped in a modern setting uses the Geico website to purchase car insurance. It's so easy to use Geico.com, a caveman could do it. What? <laughs> Not cool. I did not no. know you were there. I didn't know I- it's so easy, but caveman can do it, right? But could ABC? The ABC sitcom, much like the commercials, is set in an alternate reality where cave people survived alongside modern man as a persecuted minority. It all started with us, the caveman. Since day one, our people have always been where the action is. Whether they credit it or not, you can't deny the similarities between the Geico cavemen and Phil Hartman's SNL character, Unfrozen Caveman Lawyer. Unfrozen Caveman Lawyer! <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I'm just a caveman. <laughs> I fell in some ice and later got thawed out by some of your scientists. Your world frightens and confuses me. For a little bit of insight about how they came up with this concept, Let's listen to Roman Mars of 99% Invisible talk to the team behind the ads. This happened back in 2012. Getting nowhere. Noel's also in the midst of reading the short story collection Pastoralia by the writer George Saunders. The title story is about a theme park where tourists come to learn how other civilizations live. The focus of the story, though, is on the prehistoric exhibit where two actors, a woman and a man, play the part of cave husband and cave wife. The story is both very funny and very sad. It's a story that sticks with you, and it certainly did with Noel. And after a long series of bad ideas for the Geico campaign, it finally hit him. Wait a second. These cavemen from the Saunders book, like that, that's perfect. And the whole slogan came to me fully formed. It's so easy a caveman can do it. Which, of course, became the ads that you are probably picturing in your head right now. Like the George Saunders story, the ads are funny, but also a little sad. You might be thinking these ads don't feel very politically correct, and you'd be right. 
marketing guru, and caveman co-conspirator Joe Lawson said the ads were a response to political correctness. To quote, The cavemen on a very subtle level are reflecting and commenting on something that's going on in culture. Yes, the ad campaign acknowledges the world we live in and ours is a politically correct country. People seem to feel victimized in some way, no matter who they are, and that's reflected in the ad. That's from an Esquire interview. Now, the Geico cavemen aren't the first character from an ad campaign to graduate to fictional works based around them. Sure, you have your McDonald's Land VHS tapes and the like. Okay, everybody, we're ready to go. The Ronald McDonald debut of the Grimace Home Movies. But I'm only counting stuff that outgrew the promotional tie-in like the Cavemen TV show. First up, and you're probably guessing this based on how I started the episode, I have to give it up for my man, Ernest. Faster! Faster! Boy, Vernie's family picnics are a whole bunch of fun, aren't they? It's a good thing there was a shop a minute close by, too, because I had to go get more soft drinks and weenies, know what I mean? You know the old saying, there ain't no limit at shop a minute. The titular star of Ernest Goes to Camp, Ernest Saves Christmas, Ernest Goes to Jail, Ernest Scared Stupid, and a few other Ernest movies we won't mention, got his start as a character played by Shakespearean actor Jim Varney. Oh, that this too, too solid flesh would melt, thaw, and resolve itself into a dew. This is Jim Varney, a trained professional actor. God, how weary, stale, flat, and unprofitable seem to me all the uses of this world. Norman? This is the role Jim Varney has been playing for four years now in regional television commercials seen all over the country. So you know what, Vern? That's advertising. He played Ernest in hundreds of local commercials at the behest of producer John Cherry. This was back in the 80s. They had Ernest ads for local contractors, regional chains, and really anybody else willing to pay. Hey, Vern, just throwing a little party to celebrate the number one Toyota dealer in Northern California. That's right, Vern. It's John L. Sullivan's Roseville Toyota. Vern, I got super discounts, super selection, and super financing on Toyotas. And, Vern, saving the big bucks with John L. Sullivan just couldn't be easier. It's, it's like bobbing for water. Hey, Vern, today's your lucky day. Eventually, the character became so popular, he got his own sketch TV show on Saturday morning as well as the 10 movies in the Ernest film franchise. Take that, Marvel. Gee, I'm glad it's raining. There's always something to be thankful for. Okay, I heard it through the grapevine that the California Raisins are another great example of a commercial character who became something more. These guys are a group of Motown-inspired singing raisins, first created to promote sun-made raisins on behalf of the California Raisin Advisory Board. The California Raisins commercials became so popular 
They spawned several claymation primetime specials. Good crowd for Christmas Eve, fellas, man. Mm -hmm. What'd you say? Mm -hmm. Hey, mm -hmm. fly. Mm -hmm. No kidding. Hey, I really enjoyed that. Hey, it was we put on good show. They like that grapevine. You know, there's Dasher and Dancer. And a Saturday morning cartoon show from Vinton Studios. Now for my most relevant example. My name's Ted Lasso. I'm new head coach for Tottenham. Spurs been brought over here to, to you know implement my coaching style. Football's football, no matter where you play it. You got grass, you got cleats, and you got helmets with masks on them. Football. The Apple Plus hit Ted Lasso, which started life as the series of sports promos from NBC that we just heard a clip from. Oi, mate, this is you. I believe it is. Wicked. Right now, the second season of Ted Lasso is running on Apple Plus, and it's captured the zeitgeist with its positive fish out of water football coach. Ted Lasso was an ad man make good. You coaching football, you are a legend for doing something so stupid. Now, as far as the intended audience for cavemen, you'd think they'd target potential Geico customers, but there is nary a mention of Geico on the show itself. There is a definite alternative comedy vibe to these episodes, thanks to the contributions of alternative comedians like Nick Kroll, who briefly touched on cavemen while talking about failed projects with John Mulaney back in 2016. Let's see, the first season of Cavemen. <laughs> it was my first real acting job. It was uh, four hours of makeup every morning. I met you at your hotel. Yes. He was at the Parker Meridian, and he had to do The View. And John came and wrote jokes with me to do The View in character. And I went in and was dressed as a caveman and got interviewed by Whoopi Goldberg and Joy Behar. And, uh, and Whoopi Goldberg recognized you, Nick Kroll, under your makeup. And I thought, new, I thought we were trouble. And then the show came out and it was, I'd say, one of the more universally reviled shows on television. Until... Considering even one of the stars is making fun of it, it's no surprise the show really didn't do all that well. Which brings me to how it was received. It probably isn't a good sign that they had to refilm the pilot after the original one stunk up the room, honestly. I hit him in the head with a golf club. He was surprised more than anything else, really. I just hate that it played right into the stereotype. He knows it was an accident, yes. right? Yes. The original pilot, unaired but linked in our show notes, was accused of a lot of the same things we'll be accusing the aired pilot of tonight. Caveman is eh, a little racist. They map the problems of minorities onto the cavemen. Problem is, all those cavemen are played by white guys. It's weird. Hey, don't worry about that clubbing thing. I'm sure that he deserved it. Okay, look, I did not club him. I, no, I hit him with a club, inadvertently. And uh, it was a golf club, by the way, you know, not a uh, club. Now, racism wasn't the only issue critics had with cavemen. TV Guide said of the show that it taught us that buying insurance is easy enough for a caveman, but audiences were uninterested in watching them for longer than 30 seconds. End quote. Ouch. Ultimately, critics look back at cavemen as misguided at best, racially insensitive at worst, 
and one of the worst primetime series in recent memory. What? Okay, well now it's time to ask, how well was it done? And to answer that question with me, I brought on Anne-Marie DeSimone. You might know her from the Universe Box podcast, like Greetings from Storybrooke, Legends of Gotham, the fakest podcast as Ella Fitzpatrick and Deborah Dawnstar. I just know her as my wife and the mother of my three children. <laughs> well, this is the most I've talked to you all day, so this is kind of nice. All right, well, why don't we get into it? <laughs> the show is just confusing. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> where exactly are they from? Because, like, within the first five minutes, it's clearly established that they are, like, a minor minority group. Mm -hmm. right? like Since day one, our people have always been where the action is. Sure, maybe not front and center, but if you're enjoying your modern civilization, you might want to send us a little thank you note. But they've also established that cavemen have always been there. Yeah. If they'd have been around forever, mm -hmm. they probably wouldn't be so different. They've they've been around, but like many other marginalized groups, they've just been sort of shoved to the side, Yeah, and, you know, because it's sort of a alternate history. It's not necessarily right. like we wake up one day and we find out the cavemen are here. But in a way, they kind of do act like that. You'd think you'd think after so many years that, you know, they would have gotten used to it for sure. Right. For sure, to the cavemen. Yeah. Like around. it was just really strange. And then they mention that. Things aren't like they were back home. Mm -hmm. With no explanation of back home. That's true, but keep in mind, this isn't like home where everybody's like us. Or so is it maybe just like a region? Maybe that's what they mean. So maybe, I don't know, Oklahoma is full of cavemen. Yeah, it could could also be sort of like a, a uh, lost world situation where there's like some enclave where there's still dinosaurs. Oh, and cave people. And cave people. That you know, lost world sort of like relics of Pangea area. Then they've been there for they've been there for of all of history. Now. Yeah. So. so it's just really strange and yeah. confusing. Unfortunately, I don't think Geico uh, was thinking a lot about <laughs> the bad Geico story. is hearing cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. We're going to have plenty of negative in this episode. So I, wa I wanted to lean in and talk about something a little positive in a section I call Crystal clear characters. The best characters in comedy ring the same bell over and over again. Now, as your father told you, my name is Matt Foley, and I am a motivational speaker. That locker room downstairs is the closest thing I've had to a home in 15 years. Now all I got is a cot, a toilet, and a homemade tattoo of a van down by the river. One thing cavemen got right was sketching out clear, consistent characters. You know who these guys are as soon as you meet them, and while they change slightly every episode, they'll always be pretty much the same cavemen bros we meet in episode one. Dude, this party is Lamesville. There's two cave chicks here, and I'm pretty sure that they are together. But who are the cavemen? I figured we'll break down the characters just to kind of okay. kind of give us some context All right, moving let's do forward. It. 
Okay, so there's Nick, played by Nick Kroll. He's the artsy dude uh, and has a touch of xenophobia, which we'll really dig in on later. Not wanting your friend to date a hog is not small-minded. It's actually being deeply caring. Oh, well, since you're so caring, I'm sure you won't mind this. Kate's a saint. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Are you serious? Boom! Andy is the caveman with low self-esteem who won't let go of his ex. He's kind of uh, pathetic. <laughs> Susan, I'm, 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 try, I'm trying to, I'm agreeing with you. I'm agreeing with you. Susan, now you're just being childish and hurtful. Give me it. No, I'm not going to give you Just give me it. Goodbye, Susan. Thanks, Joel. We were having a really positive conversation. Andy, you came out here to San Diego to get away from her, right? Stop calling her. She called me. She slept with another man in your car while you were at the dentist. Yeah, well, I was in there for a really long time. And Joel, the main caveman, is a work-minded straight man who won't let his desires stand in the way of his friendships. And by the way, by straight man, I mean, you know, straight man versus goofball in a comedy duo versus, you know, he's a straight guy. Actually, that's uh, that's not a customer, Ray. That's that's my girlfriend. What? What do you tell me? Well, I actually I haven't told anybody yet. It's because my stupid roommate has got this whole thing about cavemen dating homo sapiens. It's debatable whether they're good characters that we're going to want to follow week to week. They are very clearly defined. Uh, Anne-Marie, were there any other clear-cut characters in the episode that you liked? The new guy at Not Quite Ikea. (laughs) Played by uh, Nick Swartzen. Of course. Yes, that's called the... Franston. The the Blarnick. It's right this way. Okay, thanks. I don't speak English. I just enjoyed his, like, I can see him coming back every week, every other week, Mm -hmm. and just throwing in comedic relief because you strangely need it. Yeah, well, he I, I, he was probably a really good get to them uh, at that time in his career, too. Yeah. This is, like... 2007 wrapped up in some a bow and some pretty paper for ancient man they are very very topical they are exceptionally (laughs) topical and they will take any moment to put any sort of pop cultural reference i should have kept a tally (laughs) but no hang up i love you r kelly Get out of the closet. We're going out. Get out of the closet. And again, for those who do not remember, R. Kelly got in a little bit of trouble back around 2005, 2007. A bit. A bit. There were some things, but it's definitely some closet (laughs) situations. Um, Next, technology. Technology dates itself in six months. So it's really weird. Like, I love watching shows from like the 90s and they don't even have cell phones or like the early 2000s with the big crazy phones. And I'm like... What? But in this one, we have the razor, which everyone but me had mm-hmm. in high school or in college. Not an iPhone, but a razor. A razor, yeah. not an iPhone. Cavemen, to you, they, they kind of struck me as, you know, like that tech bro archetype. Well, they definitely are because uh the coffee shop scene. Mm-hmm. You don't know how to order like that unless you are yeah. a tech bro. This place is really cool. Yeah, if you like hanging out with pretentious posers. Can I have a tall soy macchiato and a cranberry biscotti? Oh, hi. Uh, coffee and a donut, please. Excuse me? He wants a Americano and a beignet. I thought the most interesting character was Nick, and he's a total xenophobe. 
Nick's obsession with who Joel chooses to date is a big obstacle in the episode, and it's one that suggests a person we've all met. Actually, it's pretty blunt. Oh, nice. Here we go. Time for the lecture. It's a good rule, Joel. Keep your penis in your genus. <laughs> We've all known somebody who refuses to look outside of their own race, class, or religion for love or friendship. It's a limiting perspective best left in the last century. I thought you were going to say that she had a fetish. What? No. Because oh, she dated a caveman before? Or however many? I mean, that, that hardly makes it a fetish. No? I thought it was an interesting twist that Kelly doesn't have a problem with Joel's cavemanity, but it brings up a point about the fetishization of diversity that I've heard minorities in the dating scene struggle with. Uh, there's a lot of this on Tinder and stuff where they'll go out on a date with somebody and they find out that it's because of, I don't know, their race or their size or it's, it's a problem on online dating. I don't know. And Marie doesn't know because we've been married forever. But <laughs> but it's a problem I've heard. I, I've heard complaints about it. As for the Nick character, as I said before, it's implied near the end he's going to improve as the show goes on with his backwards opinions. What's going on? Uh, I'll have a Chardonnay and a beer, please. So you could do worse dating a safe, I guess. I'll take that as a compliment, shit. Now, after going through all this and not just this, but all the little moments that were subtly or not so subtly not, racist not so subtly. in the show. I was curious if the writer's room for Cavemen had minority staff. So I went and looked, and it turns out uh, Peter Saggi, who's a black writer, did several episodes of Cavemen before moving on to more successful ABC sitcoms like Blackish and Mixedish, which have a, he went up. Yeah, exactly. Which have a much better uh, reputation for you know racial representation. Emery, does the fact that a writer known for dealing with race and comedy in a nuanced fashion makes these jokes, does it make the show land better for you or is it still a little weird? Oh, it's just still weird. Yeah. It's still weird. I yeah. I mean, well, like you said, I think he was probably fighting an uphill battle, mm -hmm. but they recognized his talent clearly because he moved on to significantly more successful projects yeah. that are getting yet another spinoff. Hey. Hey, what? Hey, what? hey, you know what I think we should do tonight? What? what? I think we should get some people together, huh? My friends and your friends. We could go out and get some drinks oh, or something. Oh, actually, tonight's not a very good night. I already have plans. It's kind of a girl's night. Oh, well, if it's kind of a girl's night, then one guy could come, right? <laughs> no, it's a girl's night. So I'd like to talk a little bit more about Kate and Joel. Let's just be honest with ourselves. They're not having a relationship. They just make out at Ikea. Yeah. This yeah. is not a relationship. Well, it doesn't. I, I mean, there are some some moments of honesty and tenderness there at the end. It's just that my friends give me grief because I tend to jump into a lot of relationships that don't really last longer than a week or so. And, um, you know, I figure why tell them unless I'm sure it's going to last, you know? Yeah. And who needs that kind of pressure? Exactly. I don't see it as a relationship that's going to go on forever. See, where you must be seeing tender... I'm seeing them being uncomfortable talking with each other. They mm. just felt so awkward and so forced that on the scene on the stoop. So, like, how many relationships? You know, like 18,000 or so. Less than 20K. <laughs> That's good. I knew you'd understand. Yeah. They just seem so uh, awkward and uncomfortable. And I see this going one of three ways. And um, they're going to break up in the next like two episodes and then be 
later she's going to date one of the other guys. Uh-huh. And I turn to the seat. What is it? Nick? Yeah, Nick. It would be Nick. Mostly because he was the one so against Sapiens. Two, that they are going to be like Ross and Rachel on Friends on again, off again, on again, off again. And that's just what the series is actually about. Mm-hmm. Um, or three, he's going to try and reform her of her quick jumping relationship problem that she has since she's, you know, dated 18,000 people i'd say out of, out of the the three options you gave i'd probably go with that last one where he reforms her from jumping around yeah but to be fair i have no way of knowing because i'm never gonna watch another that's episode what i'm saying i'm like this is how this is gonna go i'm not gonna find out somebody else can have fun with that leave a voicemail for next week <laughs> but it, i i feel like that scene on the stoop they did have a couple moments of like honest affection towards each other even like the uh the line where she's like it was only eighteen thousand. he was like well at least it wasn't twenty thousand other guys or whatever which is kind of a lame joke but by the same token it's the kind of jokey around kind of thing when you're coming out of a serious conversation with a partner that might happen yeah this is a painful thing let's let go of it you know yeah All right, we have one final question left to answer, Anne-Marie. All right, lay it on me. Was it worth doing? Was it worth doing at the time it was made? I'll go ahead and let you answer first. Sure. Since you're the guest. Yeah, well, thank you. But yes, I think it was absolutely worth making at the time. Was it made necessarily well? Probably not. But it was worth it because it kind of kicks off or feels like it kicks off... um, taking a property making it into another thing and making it into another thing and making it into another thing yeah unlike this time they just they tried with a commercial and it flopped and it flopped but you never know at the time it was made i i think too it was probably justified for them to at least give this a shot because you know the ad campaign was so popular and the series they came up with actually cues pretty close to the ad campaign even if it doesn't mention geico It also helps that the writer's room had some diversity in it, but time and the audience proves it was a misguided attempt from ABC. But uh, what do you think about now, Anne-Marie? Do you think it would be worth making now? How about new? (laughs) I was hoping you'd say that. Um, I was offended at multiple points personally Mm -hmm. during just the first five minutes. I don't think anybody would even be brave enough to pitch this now. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, hell no. No, like, I can't even imagine. If if you made a show like this today, the internet would jump on it and kill it before it even got shot, before the script even got out the door for them to shoot it. Seriously, yeah. And they really didn't have a great portrayal of women either. Or men. Really? Or men. (laughs) Literally, no one was portrayed well. Nick Swartzen was portrayed well. We still need to try and reboot it. No. I'm kidding. Uh, it's so hard, not even a caveman could do it. Uh, you you cannot reboot this. It was a time where advertising mascots roamed the earth and corporations weren't afraid of controversial humor. That time is well past. It's a teenager now. At best, I think the team involved was competent and, you know, if given the chance, would put together a strong sitcom now with a new premise, clear characters, while leaving the racist stuff in the past where it belongs definitely not about cavemen. Okay, 
Okay, uh, to wrap things up, uh, me and Anne-Marie are going to grab our notebooks here and uh, flip around and uh, just give you a couple little additional nuggets uh, that we might have uh, found along the way but didn't have time for in the main discussion. Anne-Marie, why don't you go ahead and start and we'll just go back and forth. What is with the traveler's checks? I, d I just don't understand. It felt so random. And I really, I've only seen one in my life. So I can't believe that they were super popular in 2007 that they became a point on a sitcom. The Yabba Dabba Doo thing, treating that as an offensive slur, I thought was kind of funny. Yeah. I, I thought I thought that was kind of on point and not offensive in any way. It was just like, oh, of course, the Flintstones would be like, I don't know, Birth of a Nation or yeah. Song of the South to, to this world. <laughs> Another thing that I was that was weird was the girls' night. They all completely ignored this random guy that they don't uh -huh. know coming up, blah, 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 a bunch of stuff, and there was no reaction. Like, they barely even rolled their eyes. The only thing I can figure is that uh, since she has a history of bouncing from guy to guy, that maybe this isn't the first time they've been in you an know, awkward situation like true. this. Like you, I love Julie White as Leslie McKinney, the apartment manager. I, another clear character, but one that makes a comment on society instead of offending it. She's also been in a ton of stuff, including Netflix's Big Mouth animated series, where she reunited with Nick Kroll, uh, who played Nick in Cavemen. Also, I went on IMDb and checked, and several of the writers from Cavemen also work on Big Mouth. So I'm guessing either they... they run around with Nick Kroll, or maybe he remembered that they did the best they could with a bad situation on Cavemen and asked him to come on Big Mouth. So we have established that two separate groups of writers, actors, and stuff from this show went on to do very good and successful things. Uh-huh. I was... wonder who is the problem. Geico. Geico. It's always Geico. The arbitrary scale this week is going to be 13 deformed cats, which incidentally is the number of episodes Caveman got. So Anne-Marie, out of 13 deformed cats, how many cats do you give this this whole concept? Six and a tail. Six and a tail? That's pretty high. Why? Because as much as I hate shows like this, I still would watch, I might watch another episode or two. I mean, I'm not going to, <laughs> but like, if I do watch the entire internet, I would probably go back and watch another couple of episodes just to see what happened with the train wreck. Uh, as for me, I'm pro I'm probably going to give it a pretty low score because, you know, this is the second episode of Weird TV. I'd like to set a spectrum. I rated Heat Vision and Jack last week relatively high. Yes, you did. So I think I'm going to, with Cavemen, I'm going to have to go pretty low and give it one deformed cat that is mostly normal. Wow. And also named Normal. Okay, as always, uh, you can find the links to the show and more info on the topics discussed by looking at the description for this episode in your podcast player or by going to billmeeks.com slash weird TV. Uh, now, next week, we're going to be watching Mr. T's Be Somebody or Be Somebody's Fool. You'll find the link to that in the show notes for this episode as well. Uh, now, Anne-Marie, uh, thank you so much for joining me as my first guest. Hey, thanks for having me. I can't wait to lay down and fall asleep next to you because it's pretty late right now. I'm so tired. <laughs> but uh, if people want to check you out online, where can they find you? All right. So if you want to chit chat, hit me on Twitter 
at AMD Simone. If you like pictures of dogs, food, and random children, check me out on Instagram at UB Anne Marie. And if you like stickers of all sorts, check out my Etsy shop, Universe Box. I ran out of creativity for the name. And now we're going to check out some listener feedback. We actually have some. If you want to get your feedback in for what we're talking about next week, it's really easy. Next week, we're going to be talking about a TV special called Mr. T's Be Somebody or Be Somebody's Fool. If you want to watch it and send us some feedback, you can find the link to the YouTube video at BillMeeks.com slash WeirdTV. You'll also find our contact info there, but if you've already seen it and you want to send contact, I'm going to give it to you here anyway. You can email us weirdtvpodcast at gmail.com. The voicemail is 424-274-2352. Again, that's 424-274-2352. We still don't have a Facebook. I'm getting there. Or Twitter. Or an Instagram. And you can find all the past episodes, show notes, and more at billmeeks.com slash weirdtv. Okay. Onto the voicemails. Take it away, Hope. Hi, Bill and Amory. Hope here. First and foremost, I love you both so much and I miss you so much and congratulations on everything. So, can- thank you, Hope. We love you too. Kids, men. In 2007, I actually, little me, fresh out of high school, watched the Cavemen show and actually liked it. I, I remember watching the entire series and I thought it was really cool, but I haven't like seen it since then. And I was like, you know, okay, I saw you were doing this podcast and I rewatched the first episode and oh, man, (laughs) oh, man, little tiny fresh out of high school hope was an idiot because this show is bad. This show is so bad. Like, like the actual like quips are bad and it's horrible. And I'm like, Nick Crow, what what are you doing? But I think like what really got me was how like offensive it is at times. I know, right? Like it's it's like huge. This would never fly today, Hope. Like never in a million years would they ever even think about doing an ad campaign or a show like this one. It's trying to do some coding, some media coding. And when it comes to media coding, I, I often talk about queer coding in my own shows. Coding is subtext. And they're trying to tell this story about like these cavemen not being seen as equals to like homo sapiens. But that kind of coding and subtext isn't coming off well when you have a bunch of white guys pretty much being the minority in a probably white system, which just doesn't fly. I'm just going to say that uh, this sounds very much like a criticism I raised, Hope. I did not listen to your voicemail until just now, so I didn't completely rip you off, but I'm glad to hear that we're on the same page with all this crap. It doesn't work, and it's bad. Nope. It's really bad, especially like in the face of like the BLM movement and everything that's been happening the last several years. Like This show does not work, and it is not okay in a lot of ways, so... I don't know. It, I don't. It would definitely not be made today. And I don't know what little Hope was thinking. She just, I guess, was not like very savvy about these stuff because, oh, my God. To be fair, back when this came out, everyone was obsessed with the Geico caveman. Uh, the same way, you know, those really kind of weird viral ads happen now. It was this was one of the first ads that really happened with back then. I mean, of course, you have where's the beef and everything back in the 90s. But for the modern internet social era, as it was 
emerging. This was probably uh, the first uh, time they tried something like this. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Oh, so, yes. But congrats on the new show. I can't wait to hear more. Bye. Thank you very much, Hope. Okay, and we got one letter this week uh, from a good old friend of mine, also from our old podcast named Bobby Hawk. Bobby says, a sitcom based on a series of commercials? Better content has been made with less. But unlike Max Hedrome or Ernest before them, the Geico cavemen don't quite make the jump from spokesmen to full-fledged characters. While there might have been some potential humor in the juxtaposition of cavemen out of their time, see Encino Man, the pilot leaned too heavily on using the cavemen as an allegory of discrimination and race identity. All things done much better recently in Mark Russell's take on the Flintstones for DC. Thanks very much, Bobby. And I love that you mentioned that DC Flintstones series that they did a few years ago because it's a fantastic satirical political series. And it's, you know, she's carrying a rack of ribs so big that they can tip over a car made of stone. I just don't see what's so funny about it. Yabba dabba do. Don't. Ever. Anyway, thanks again, Bobby, for writing in. Always great to hear from you. I think that's all we have uh, for this week. We would love to get some more feedback uh, for next week for Mr. T's Be Somebody or Be Somebody's Fool. Again, you can email us, weirdtvpodcast at gmail.com. The voicemail is 424-274-2352. Again, that's 424-274-2352. Facebook, not there yet. Instagram, not there yet. Twitter, coming. Until all that stuff comes, though, you can check out all the past episodes, show notes, what we're watching next week over at BillMeeks.com slash WeirdTV. If you've listened this long, you probably like the show. So I thought it would be a good time to mention that you can go over to Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. And give us a star rating, you know, based on how you feel about the show. And maybe put a little review there to kind of encourage people uh, to tune in. Maybe tell them what your favorite segment on Weird TV is or something like that. All right, that's about it for this week. Uh, my name's Bill Meeks. Thank you again for joining us. Until next time, stay weird.